Great. Thanks, Ben. Uh, if you have a Bible uh, in the physical form or on a device, then you may want to turn to the book of Jonah in the Old Testament. And uh, today we're going to be looking at the first chapter. Jonah chapter 1. It says, The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it, because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa where he found a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. All the sailors were afraid and each cried out to his own God and they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. But Jonah had gone below deck, where he lay down and fell into a deep sleep. The captain went to him and said, How can you sleep? Get up and call on your God. Maybe he will take notice of us, so that we will not perish. Then the sailors said to each other, Come, let us cast lots to find out who is responsible for this calamity. So they cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. So they asked him, tell us, who is responsible for making all of this trouble for us? What kind of work do you do? Where do you come from? What is your country? From what people are you? He answered, I am a Hebrew and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. This terrified them and they asked, what have you done? They knew he was running away from the Lord because he had already told them so. The sea was getting rougher and rougher. So they asked him, what should you do to make the sea calm down for us? Pick me up and throw me into the sea, he replied, and it will become calm. I know that it is my fault that this great storm has come upon you. Instead, the men did their best to row back to land, but they could not, for the sea grew wilder than before. Then they cried out to the Lord, Please, Lord, do not let us die for taking this man's life. Do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent man, for you, Lord, have, have done as you have pleased. Then they took Jonah and threw him overboard, and the raging sea grew calm. At this, the men greatly feared the Lord and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to him. Now the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah and Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So as Ben said, uh, we're starting a brand new series today on the book of jo Jonah. And uh, here at St. Thomas's, if you are part of the church family here, uh, then you will know that uh, we are a church that is called uh, to love our city, Newcastle. Our vision is to be a church that follows Jesus, builds community and love Newcastle. And so Jonah, he was called to go to this great city called Nineveh and share the good news about God with the people of that city. 
warning them of the wicked ways and their evil ways. Uh, and this story is one of those typical Sunday school stories, and uh, it's quite laughable in some respects, isn't it, if you think about it too much, about what happened. But as we go through this book together over the next uh, few weeks, we're going to look at the life of Jonah and see what lessons God is teaching us about God's call on us today as we seek to be a church that loves Newcastle and this region. Jonah is a short book. It's four chapters in total and uh, it has two halves. In chapters one and two, uh, we see how God called Jonah to Nineveh, but Jonah is disobedient. And in chapters three and four, He is given the command again. He's recommissioned. And this time he obeys and goes to Nineveh. Now the story of Jonah has uh, actually played a great part in my uh, my family's uh, journey uh, here to Newcastle. Uh, Just over a year ago, we were considering as a family whether or not God was calling us to be part of the church plant here at St. Thomas's, uh, which would mean us moving from uh, being close by to family, uh, leaving the jobs we loved and the community and friends in York and uh, picking everything up and moving to a brand new uh, city. And uh, to be honest, we, we didn't do too much uh, discernment, but we initially thought that the Lord definitely wasn't calling us to Newcastle. Uh, but there was always that niggling feeling in the deep, deepest depths of, of our hearts as a family. Are we being true to what God is wanting us to do? And uh, I was really blessed at the time to, to have a couple of months sabbatical from my job. And um, I, I really spent that time focusing and asking the Lord, uh, seeking his will for, for my life and the life uh, of our family, where he wanted us to be and to, to do our lives uh, for, for the coming season. And uh, no word of a lie. From the very first week of my two months on sabbatical, the Lord started very audibly and visibly speaking to me about Newcastle. I went on a week's retreat on my own uh, to Cornwall and it was a coastal village. Uh, I hardly saw anyone. My conversations were very limited. I hired this car and I was driving around Cornwall, beautiful place. And it seemed that every place I drove through began with new. New town, new market, new key. And I thought, hang on a minute, Lord, are you getting my attention? And subsequently, there were loads of promptings like that. I even came to Newcastle with you, Ben. Uh, I don't know if you remember. Uh, We even came into this building, St. Thomas's, when this wasn't even on the cards for you uh, as a church plant. Uh, And we bought a postcard in the shop and I sent it to Rach, my wife. And I just said, get praying. Sent it home. And on the streets of Newcastle, there were buses going by. And you know, on the front of, the front of buses, it says where the destination or where it's calling at. And it had Heweth. Well, Heweth is not only a place here in Newcastle, but it's a place in York, the place where we lived as a family at the time. And I thought, Lord, you are definitely saying something to me in this moment. So I began journaling uh, all that the Lord was prompting us as a family. And I read uh, this amazing book, actually, which I'd encourage you to buy, uh, by Tim Keller. It's called The Prodigal Prophet. Uh, And there's a quote in this book. Bear in mind, we didn't want to move to a city. 
a big city like Newcastle. We loved the comfortableness and the, uh, the coziness of York. But Tim Keller said in his book, many people do not like cities, but if we care about people, and if we believe that the deepest human need is to be reconciled to God, then all Christians must be concerned for and supportive of urban ministry. And that hit me right in the face. I knew I had to respond. We didn't really want to leave York. It was so close to all that we knew and all that we loved. And you know what? I think in the deepest depths of my heart, I knew the Lord was actually calling us out to move here to Newcastle. But what we hadn't done is we wasn't obedient. We'd been disobedient. We didn't really want to move to a city, but we knew that's exactly where God wanted us to be. And then the final thing was we were on holiday in Turkey. And uh, Rach, my wife, was reading this book. And uh, she suddenly jolted up. And she said, Lee, let me read you this. And here's the quote. There comes a day when it's more harmful to remain tight in a bud than to take the risk to blossom. It was clear we had to respond and we had to be obedient to what God was clearly asking us to do as a family. So as we journey through uh, this chapter, uh, the first chapter today, there's four things I want to highlight and you may want to take a note of these things. The first one is this, that there is an unlikely call. Secondly, that there's disobedience to the call. Thirdly, God's grace is in the call. And fourthly and lastly, that you and I are called. So let's look at the first thing, an unlikely call. Well, we only have to look at the first two verses. Jonah is a Jew and he's called to leave Israel, what he knew, and to go to a pagan city. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai, go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because of its wickedness has come up before me. Now as a prophet, you can imagine that it's easier to deliver the word of the Lord uh, to somebody else. But in this case, the word of the Lord was for Jonah himself. Now it's quite shocking that God would ask a Hebrew prophet to leave Israel and go to a Gentile, a non-Jewish nation. And Jonah was in fact uh, the first of the prophets not to be commissioned uh, to speak to God's own people, but to instead speak to outsiders. So Jonah's call was unprecedented. Equally shocking was this, that Assyria, where Nineveh was the capital in modern day Iraq, uh, was a cruel and a violent uh, empire. Their their kings would judge their victories by the mass murders that took place of corpses and cities burned to the ground, of torture and dismembering and decapitations. They were all commonplace activity, mocking captured enemies by cutting off their legs and their arms and shaking their hands as they lay dying, tongues being pulled from prisoners' mouths while still alive. This was terrorism. So there's loads of reasons for Jonah not to want to go to Nineveh. But we see that God's heart is for all people. Surely God wouldn't ask Jonah to go to this place if there was no hope 
of transformation, of ways to be reconciled back with God. You know, God has a plan and a purpose for even the most destructive members of humanity. And what's more, he calls the unlikely, the unqualified, the unworthy of us all to do his will. Now you might feel yourself that you're an unlikely person to be called to reach the city and the people of Newcastle. Perhaps you're originally from down south or even overseas. Take heart. You may not get yet the wonderful dialect of the Geordie accent. And you may not like peas pudding. But God can still use you for his will in this city. And guess what he does in his grace and his mercy is he turns people's hearts towards the cities. You know, even the saying, why I man, that's commonplace language in our house now, every day. And we learned from 2 Kings chapter 14 that Jonah was essentially an Israeli nationalist and yet he was called to the city of Nineveh in the Assyrian Empire. God always uses the unlikely people for his purposes. Now, Newcastle, we absolutely love Newcastle. It is a beautiful place to live. Nineveh, however, was not. Assyria was a terrorist state, and Nineveh was the capital of it. And yet God had plans to save the city. Now, of course, uh, Newcastle isn't uh, a terrorist state, but we have been called here as a church community, and God has a plan to save it. And guess what? He's bringing people to this city in large numbers. I read an article recently in one of the largest newspapers, and it said that out of everyone leaving London to relocate, 13% of them are choosing to move to the northeast. People are quite literally moving to this place. Be part of it. You might feel that you're an unlikely missionary, called to an unlikely place, just like I was. But that is what God has done. Now, this isn't just for people that work for the church. It's, um, it's for all of us. We're all called perhaps maybe not to Newcastle, but to wherever you live, you are called uh, to that place. Whether you're a doctor, a cleaner, a teacher, administrator, whatever it might be, God has called you. Now you may already be here in Newcastle. You may have been born and brought up in this wonderful city. Now praise God, we need you. We need you to show us the way as we reach this city of Newcastle together. You know, and sometimes what God is asking of us is just to be obedient. You know, Jonah teaches us, doesn't he, that despite an unlikely call, God demands an obedient response. And we discover as we go on into this chapter what a disobedient response can look like. We only have to look at verses 3 to 15. 
So let's look at this. Point two, disobedient to the call. Jonah, what did he do? He ran away from the Lord and he headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa where he found a ship bound for the port. And after paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed to Tarshish to flee from the Lord. Now in this moment, Jonah is quite literally full of sin. He runs in the opposite direction. He's called to go east. Where does he go? West. Asked to stick to the land, but he took to the sea. What is he doing? Now, friends, this is quite literally the definition of sin. Because repentance means to turn 180 degrees from east to west back towards God. That's what repentance is. And instead of obediently traveling 500 miles to Nineveh, he disobediently fled two and a half thousand miles to Tarshish, which is near Gibraltar. And guess what? Choosing the way of sin always leads to difficulty. Jonah was scared by God's call. And so he ran in the opposite direction. And it ended up for him being much more difficult. Now let me be clear in this moment. The Bible doesn't say that every difficulty is the result of sin. But it does teach that every sin always makes life more difficult. What happened? The Lord sent a great wind on the sea and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. All the sailors were afraid and each cried out to his own God and they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. God gets his attention through a storm. Now let's think about it. God is getting our attention, isn't he? In this moment, in our time, through the greatest storm for a generation. You know, some wonderful stories coming out of this storm we're all living uh, through at the moment. Stories of people coming to faith. Stories of people joining church for the very first time. In the Times, uh, there was an article recently which said, members of Generation Z in their late teens and early 20s are more likely to believe in God than millennials in their late 20s and 30s. According to the polling that suggests the trend for younger people being less religious is changing. It has been suggested that the ease with which young people can access information about faith and uh, faith-like-minded people online may have helped to build and bolster their own faith. This is encouraging. You know, whatever we believe about the current storm we are all facing, one thing is clear, that God is calling us to attention. Now is the time to turn away from sin and turn back to God, to spend time with him, to be with him, and to turn 180 degrees in repentance. And the other thing about sin is that there's always a consequence. Tim Keller says this, the dismaying news is that every act of disobedience to God has a storm attached to it. It always has consequences. What's the consequence here? Pick me up 
and throw me into the sea. And then it will become calm. I know it is my fault that this great storm has come upon you. Jonah has to be thrown overboard. You see, when we mess up, there are always consequences. We have to pay for it. Our sin always has a storm attached to it. And in some respects, Jonah had to die by being thrown overboard in order to be saved. Now this is good news for me and for you. Why? Because God can rescue us from the storms of life. Let's take a look into that. Point three, God's grace is all over this call. We only need to look at verses 16 to 17. And what happens? The fish saves Jonah. God saves the pagan sailors. Verse 16, as the pagan sailors watch the events unfold, they saw the power of Jonah's God. And actually, they ended up believing in him, all because of a storm. Isn't that what we're seeing at the moment in our time? The COVID storm that we're all in is, is having similar effects. People are turning to the gospel of Jesus. Keller also says, unless Jonah can see his own sin and see himself as living wholly by the mercy of God, he will never understand how God can be merciful to evil people and still be just and faithful. And so what happens is God takes Jonah on a dramatic, a dramatic retreat into the stomach of a huge fish to show how he rescued him from his sin. Now just remember that Jonah turns, he runs away from God, but God doesn't let him go. You know, God cannot let you go once he has laid hands on you. Now perhaps you feel like at this point in time you are running. Perhaps you feel the most unlikely person for God to use. Perhaps you feel you're not up to the call. You're ill-equipped, you're not good enough, you're unworthy. But God has you and he will not let you go. You know, in this story, what we often forget is that God sent the fish to save Jonah. This was a great act of mercy, an act of mercy from God, and it points to the hope of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And if we think about it, what did Jonah have for three days and three nights in the belly of a fish? He had a lockdown of biblical proportion. See, God has rescued you and me in a dramatic way too, through coming to earth himself, in Jesus Christ, in Jesus dying for us on the cross. You know, we live in 2021 AD, Anno Domini. We know that God, what he's done for us through Jesus. We know that God's saving grace came to us 
came to the world through Jesus suffering and dying on the cross for you and for me. And Jesus is shown. He's shown to be the greater Jonah because he is. We only have to look at Matthew in the New Testament, chapter 12. He says, Jonah was three days and three nights in the stomach of a big fish. The son of man, who is Jesus, will be three days and three nights in the grave also. You see, this is a picture of salvation that Jesus offers. And salvation came to you and to me, not in a fish, but through Jesus Christ. Through his suffering on the cross and through his resurrection. And so we know that when we're faced with life struggles and challenges, we know that what Jesus has done for us is offer us saving grace. Whatever our problems are, God solves it, always solves it with his grace. And so on the cross, he took all of our sin and all of our shame away so that we can be forgiven and live a free and saved life, both here and into eternity. So I'd love us to respond to this. And the question I want to ask you in this moment, and maybe you just want to bow your heads and be in tune with the Spirit who is with you now. Ask yourself, do I know I am called. Do I know I am called? I sense there may be Maybe even just one of us today watching this stream and taking part. And you've decided today that you need to trust and believe in Jesus Christ, who is your Savior. You've discovered this wondrous story of God in his grace and mercy sending a fish to save Jonah. And not call it an end there, but recommission this man to do what God had planned for him from the very beginning. You've discovered that that call for Jonah is also true for you. And it is. God wants you to know his infinite mercy and outrageous grace. So I invite you today to believe, to choose to believe in Jesus Christ. And maybe you want to give your life to him today. It's the best decision you could ever make. To know that you are living your life 
with Jesus at the center, full of purpose and called by name. And so if that is for you, I just simply ask, invite you in the quietness of your heart now just to to ask God to forgive you of your sin, to turn away from your ways that are wrong and bad and to invite the Holy Spirit into your life to be with you forever and to choose to live for Jesus today and always. It's a free gift. You can pray that now. You can pray it later on. We'd love to celebrate with you and pray for you if that is for you. Uh, So do let us know. It's the best decision you will ever make in your life. You know, the God we believe in is the God who sacrificed himself. The one who is greater than Jonah. The one who gave up his son to die for you and for me. You know, we may not be the person that runs off to Tarshish. And we may not be the person that, well, we may be the person that doesn't go to Nineveh. But let's choose today to be the people who hear the word of God as Jonah did but be the people who obey it. Because as we've discovered today, we are called. And that even in our disobedience, God will work His grace through you to transform the lives of others, just as the lives of the sailors on board that ship were transformed too. And who knows, like I was called to this city, you too may be called to Newcastle. You may be called elsewhere and you felt the Lord's prompting on your life today. Get in touch. We'd love to pray with you and cheer you on, whatever it is that God's asking you to do. God has called you by name. Amen.